The scripture reading is Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 16. Mark 10, 1 through 16. We read this in connection with Lord's Day 27 and infant baptism. Here in Mark 10, Jesus shows that infants of believers are included in the kingdom. Mark 10, 1 through 16. And he, and that is Jesus, arose from thence and cometh into the coasts of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. And the people resort unto him again. And as he was wont, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Tempting him. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife, and marry another, committeth adultery against her. And if a man shall put away her husband, and be married to another, she committeth adultery. And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. And so far do we read, the Holy Word of God this morning. On the basis of that passage and others, we have the instruction of Lord's Day 27. Lord's Day 27. Is then the external baptism with water the washing away of sin itself? Not at all, for the blood of Jesus Christ only and the Holy Ghost cleanse us from all sin. Why then doth the Holy Ghost call baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins? God speaks thus, not without great cause, to wit, not only thereby to teach us that, as the filth of the body is purged away by water, so our sins are removed by the blood and spirit of Jesus Christ. 
but especially that by this divine pledge and sign, he may assure us that we are spiritually cleansed from our sins as really as we are externally washed with water. Our infants also to be baptized. Yes, for since they as well as the adults are included in the covenant and church of God, and since redemption from sin by the blood of Christ and the Holy Ghost, the author of faith, is promised to them no less than to the adult. They must therefore by baptism, as a sign of the covenant, be also admitted into the Christian church and be distinguished from the children of unbelievers, as was done in the old covenant or testament by circumcision, instead of which baptism is instituted in the new covenant. Lord's Day 26 and the first part of Lord's Day 27 teach us about the gift of baptism. Baptism is a sign and seal of the washing away of sin through Christ's work. Our sin has two aspects to it. There's the guilt of sin. That's our legal standing before God as we are of ourselves. Guilty. There's also the pollution of sin. We are corrupt or dirty with sin on the inside. Now, baptism is a sign or picture of the washing away of guilt and pollution. And baptism is also a seal or guarantee to the believer of the washing away of guilt and pollution. So baptism is indeed a wonderful gift. Wonderful gift. It's a guarantee that the believer of the washing away of sin, it, it's a great gift. Question and answer 74 asks, are infants also to be baptized? That's an important question because there are those today that do not baptize infants. Specifically, Baptists do not baptize infants. They teach that one first has to confess his faith before the church, and then he may be baptized. No infant baptism. And they have their reasons for, for teaching that. First, they argue that there is no clear evidence in Scripture of Babies being baptized, it only speaks, they say, of adult baptism. Second, some argue that if infants are baptized, there will be cases in which we are baptizing unbelievers. And that's wrong. They say unbelievers will be receiving this sacrament, which points to the forgiveness of sins and the washing away of the pollution within, and that ought not to be. They're unbelievers. Or at least some of them will turn out to be unbelievers. So it may be allowed. Well, question and answer 74 in Mark chapter 10 teaches that infants are to be baptized. 
question and answer 74 gives us a few reasons why, and we will look at those scriptural reasons this morning. Also, Mark 10, there Jesus certainly implies that infants are to be baptized. We'll see how that is this morning as well. So let's learn today the beautiful truth about infant baptism and see our Father's love for us and for our children and respond in great praise to our great Father, our God. Let's consider the text this morning under the theme, Baptizing Infants. Baptizing Infants, first, because of the covenant. Second, because of Jesus' actions. And third, our calling. Baptizing Infants, first, because of the covenant. We baptize infants because of the covenant, and specifically, Specifically, the truth that infants are included in God's covenant. Question 74 says, are infants also to be baptized? And the answer is yes, for since they as well as the adults are included in the covenant and church of God. So kids, young adults, young people, you can remember that. Why do we baptize infants? Because they're included in in the covenant. That's why. Now, to understand that, we have to know what the covenant is. The covenant is the relationship of friendship established by God with His people through Christ. We're going to look at each element of that definition so that it's very clear what the covenant is. First, the covenant The covenant is a relationship of friendship. It's not an agreement or contract as some today say that it is. Genesis 17 verse 7 shows its relationship of friendship. That verse is familiar. I'll read it. It says, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. That is not the language of a contract. That's the language of love and friendship. God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And the very word covenant itself in Genesis 17 verse 7 has the idea of a bond. That's what the word means, bond, showing that the covenant is a bond of friendship. So back to the definition, the covenant is the relationship of friendship established by God. That's the next element. It's established by God. We don't come to him first and make this relationship with God happen. No, again, consider the words in Genesis 17, verse 7. God says, I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee. So God says, I'm your friend. He doesn't say, please, please, please be my friend. No, I am your friend, is what he says. So the covenant is the relationship of friendship established by God with His people. 
That's the next element. It's with his people. It's not a relationship of friendship established with every man. No, it's with his people. Genesis 17, verse 7 says that the covenant promise was made to Abraham and his seed. Now, who was Abraham's seed? Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, a passage in the New Testament explains who that seed is. It says, if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So Galatians 3, verse 29 says, the promise was made to those who are Christ's. That is the elect for whom he died. The ones who belong to Christ. God establishes his covenant with the elect. Covenant is the relationship of friendship established by God with his people through Christ. Through Christ. We cannot be friends with God without Christ. Why? Because God's holy. He's holy and, and we are sinners so we cannot be together with God as we are of ourselves. But through Christ's work, we are perfectly righteous in God's sight, and thus we can live with and do live with the holy, righteous God. That's the truth of the covenant. Now, infants of believers are included in that covenant. Infants of believers are included in the covenant. Genesis 17, verse 7, back to that verse, it says, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. God's covenant is with elect believers and their seed or children, children, even, even infants, are included in this relationship of friendship. Acts 2 verse 39 says, The promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now God does include then the infants of believers in the covenant, but that does not mean that every infant of Believers, head for head, is actually in the covenant, actually God's friend. Think of Esau, the son of believing Isaac and Rebekah. Not every infant of believing parents is actually in the covenant. Yet, God does tell us that he establishes his covenant with believers and their seed, believers and their children. Since infants are included in God's covenant, infants of believers are to be baptized. Baptism is a sign of being brought into covenant friendship with God. Baptism is first of all a sign of the Washing away of sin. We know that. Well, it's only in the way of our sins being washed away that we can be in 
covenant friendship with God. Baptism is a sign that it indicates that we are covenant friends with God through Christ. It's a sign of the covenant. Now, if children of believers are in the covenant, why wouldn't they receive the sign of being in the covenant, which is baptism? Infants of believers are truly included in the covenant. Genesis 17, verse 7, the verse we read many times already this morning, it says they're included in the covenant. Well, they surely then ought to receive the sign of being in God's covenant, which is baptism. Now, someone might say, not all the infants of believers are actually elect. Not all of them are actually God's friends. So are we really supposed to baptize little children? Well, it's true that not all the infants of believers head for head are actually in God's covenant. Not all of them are actually, not all of them are elect. And yet we continue to baptize all infants of believers because God's covenant includes children of believers. The non-elect children of believers, they, they're not actually God's friends they only receive the sign of the washing away of sin and not the reality. Only the elect children of believers are in the covenant. Only they actually receive the reality of the washing away of sin, the reality of forgiveness and the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit within. Yet we do baptize all the infants of believers because God says his covenant includes children of believers. So that first, we baptize infants because they are included in God's covenant. Also this in regard to the covenant. The truth about the Old Testament sign of the covenant, circumcision, the truth about the Old Testament sign of the covenant shows why we baptize infants in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the sign of the covenant was circumcision. Circumcision. In Genesis 17, verse 11, God said to Abraham, Ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. So God said to Abraham that circumcision was a token or sign of his covenant. It was a sign of being God's friend. Now, circumcision was a sign of the cutting away of sin. It was a sign that involved blood. And what it pointed to was the shed blood of the Christ to come, taking away the sins of his people. And thus, circumcision was a sign that pointed to being brought into God's covenant through the shed blood of the Christ to come. Infants in Israel were circumcised at eight days old in the Old Testament. And their circumcision was a sign that they were different than the heathen nations around them. 
The heathen nations around them did not receive this sign that pointed to the washing away uh, or the taking away of sin, the being in God's covenant. So circumcision showed that the Israelites were different, different than the heathen nations around them. They were God's friends and the other nations were not. Circumcision, that Old Testament sign of the covenant, that has been replaced by baptism in the New Testament. Answer 74 of the Heidelberg Catechism ends by saying that baptism has been instituted in the place of circumcision. And that's biblical. That comes from passages like Colossians 2, verses 11 and 12. There we read, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. In Colossians 2, verses 11 and 12, the Apostle Paul freely interchanges between circumcision and baptism. And he can do that because they are signs that are pointing to the same thing. But circumcision involved blood. And since the blood of Jesus Christ has been shed at the cross now, we no longer have that as a sign of the covenant. Instead of circumcision being a sign of the covenant, baptism is now the sign of the covenant in the New Testament. Christ's blood has been shed. Now, since circumcision was administered, follow this, since circumcision, that Old Testament sign of the covenant, since that was administered to infant boys in the Old Testament, Baptism, which has replaced circumcision, is now administered to the infants of believers. This is the New Testament sign that serves to distinguish the children of believers from the children of unbelievers. Since infants were baptized in the Old Testament as a sign of the covenant, or since infants were circumcised in the Old Testament, we now baptize infants in the New Testament. We baptize infants because of the covenant. Now in the second place, this morning, we also baptize infants because of Jesus' actions. Because of Jesus' actions in Mark 10. What was happening in Mark 10? While Jesus and his disciples were in Perea, that was a region just to the east of the Jordan River. And parents were bringing their little children to Jesus. Jesus was in a house with his disciples in Perea when parents started to gather outside that home and they formed a line with their children, waiting, hoping that their children could just have Jesus touch them. Mark 10 verse 13 says that these children were little or young children is the exact words, young children. And that word can refer to those that are infants and also those who are a bit older than infants. 
Luke 18, verse 15, a parallel passage to Mark 10, specifically says that infants were being brought to Jesus. Now, these little children had to be brought by their parents to Jesus. The parents had to carry those that were infants to him, and the parents had to lead the other little ones to him. These were young children. And these parents that brought their children to Jesus, they knew who he was. See that too. They knew who he was. These were Jews. Matthew 19 verse 1 says that Jesus had entered into the coasts of Judea beyond Jordan. So he was in Perea, but just across the Jordan River from Judea. The parents that brought their children to Jesus were Jews and they knew who Jesus was. All the gospel accounts that deal with this specific event, they all place it at the end of Jesus' public ministry, near the end of his three and a half years of public ministry. They knew who he was. These parents had heard him preach that he was Jesus. Jehovah's salvation. That's what Jesus means, Jehovah's salvation. This was Jehovah come in the flesh to save his people from their sins. They'd heard him teach that truth. Now these parents did not just know about Jesus, but they believed in him for all their salvation. And they wanted their children to receive the blessings of salvation from Jesus. Verse 13 says that they brought young children to him that he should touch them. Matthew 19, verse 13, a parallel passage, indicates that this touch they wanted was the laying on of hands. Matthew 19, verse 13 says, Then were brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray. The laying on of hands is is a symbolic act that pictures spiritual blessing. So what these parents were bringing their children to Jesus for was none other than the blessing of salvation. That's what they wanted, salvation. These parents would never then have brought their children to Jesus to be blessed if they didn't believe on him. They believed in him. They desired that he would bless their children. Jesus had been preaching for three years now that he was the Savior from sin. But what these parents wanted is that their little children, little, little children, already who had original guilt, had that guilt of Adam, they wanted these children, little children, to receive forgiveness. They wanted their little, little children who already had original pollution. They wanted them to receive the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. Have Him working in them to live a holy life. They wanted their children to be blessed by Jesus with the blessings of salvation. Now the disciples... They saw this cluster of parents around the house desiring to to have their children get to see Jesus, to have Jesus touch them. 
and they tried to prevent it from happening. Verse 13 says that they rebuked the parents. They may have told the parents that Jesus was too busy for them. doesn't have time for little children like this. The disciples did not understand, not understand the connection between infants and the kingdom. The disciples did not see clearly that little children, infants, are included in God's covenant and kingdom. Little children of believers are. The disciples tried to prevent these children from coming to Jesus, but then Jesus performed two important actions according to Mark 10. First, Jesus called these believing parents that were around the house, he called them to bring their little children to him, and he indicated that they were included in his kingdom. Verse 14, we read, But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. And that word suffer there means let. So Jesus was saying, let the little children come to me. And he was saying that. When he said that, he was implying that the parents were to bring those little children to him. Disciples, he was saying, don't don't stop the little children from coming to me. But implied in that is parents, bring them. Bring these little children to me, and they will receive my blessings. It was in that way of these parents bringing their children to Jesus that the children would be blessed. Jesus' blessing would come on them based on the work that he was about to do at Calvary's cross. Children would receive the blessings of salvation now in the way of being brought to Jesus Christ. Now Jesus called the parents to bring their children to him because children belong in his kingdom. Verse 14, Jesus says, Suffer the little children to come to me, for of such is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the spiritual realm which God in Christ rules by his word and spirit. Christ rules the citizens of the kingdom. He rules their hearts by his word and spirit. In John 3 verse 5 we read, Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So those that are in the kingdom, they have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has implanted the spiritual life of Christ within them. Those who are in the kingdom are ruled by Christ's spirit and word. So Christ rules the citizens of the kingdom, and he bestows on them the blessings of the kingdom. The citizens of the kingdom receive the great spiritual riches that Christ has earned for them at the cross. The citizens of the kingdom receive forgiveness. They receive strength to serve the great King Jesus Christ. 
They are cleansed, even they receive that cleansing within. Jesus said that the believing parents were to bring their little children to him, for of such is the kingdom of God. That means that children are a type of people to whom the kingdom belongs. The kingdom and its blessings do not just belong to adults, but also belong to children, even little children of believers. Jesus called the children to come, saying that the kingdom belonged to children, and then he blessed the children. He blessed them. Mark 10, verse 16 says, He took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Jesus blessed them. That name Jesus is used in Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. Jesus means Jehovah's salvation. So that Jesus blessed them means that he spoke a good word upon them, bestowing upon them the gifts of salvation. He's Jehovah's salvation. He blessed them with the gifts of salvation. He was able to do that. He's the one who was about to go to the cross and earn for all of his people all the blessings of salvation by taking away the sins of his people. So he had the right to give the blessings of salvation. He had the right to give forgiveness. He had the right to do that cleansing work within the hearts of his children. He had that right. He could give salvation and he did by blessing these children. The fact that part of the name Jesus means Jehovah, remember it means Jehovah's salvation, the fact that part of that name means Jehovah indicates that his words that he spoke as he put his hands upon the children, those words he spoke weren't empty words. He really blessed them with the gifts of salvation, with the gifts like forgiveness and strength to live a holy life. His words are effectual. Now Jesus' words and actions in Mark 10 show that infants are to be baptized. Since Jesus said that infants of believers are actually in the kingdom, and he blessed them, they are certainly to receive the sign and seal of these kingdom blessings in baptism. Baptism is a sign of receiving the blessings of the kingdom. Blessings like forgiveness and sanctification. If children actually receive, if children actually receive those blessings of the kingdom, forgiveness, salvation, forgiveness and strength to serve the Lord, if they actually receive those blessings and benefits, then they certainly ought to receive the sign of those benefits in baptism. We baptize infants because they receive the reality of what baptism points to, forgiveness and God's cleansing work within. We understand then why infants are to be baptized. We understand that there is also a calling here. 
there's also a calling. And first, our calling is to bring our children to be baptized. Question and answer 74 teaches that we must. It says our infants also to be baptized. And the answer given is yes. And then about halfway through it says, they must therefore by baptism as a sign of the covenant be also admitted into the Christian church. The catechism calls us to baptize our infants based on passages like Mark 10. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus called the parents to bring their children to him. How do we bring our children to Jesus today? We can't bring them to him physically. Obviously not. We can't do exactly what the parents did there in Perea 2,000 years ago. But we bring our children to Jesus today when we bring them for baptism. When our infants are brought to baptism, they are receiving a sign of the blessings of salvation that Jesus bestowed on the little children in Mark 10. They receive the sign of forgiveness and the sign of the cleansing work of the Spirit within. Baptism, though, is not only a sign of receiving salvation from Christ, but it's also a seal to God's elect children that serves to assure them of their washing. Especially when these elect children get older and think upon their own baptism, baptism serves as a seal or guarantee to the believer of the washing away of sin. And so when children bring their infants to be baptized, they are bringing their children to Christ. In the way of bringing their children for baptism, children receive Christ's blessings. Especially as they get older and they see baptism performed and are reminded of their own baptism, they do receive especially that gift of assurance of their salvation. So Mark chapter 10, there Jesus is teaching us, bring your children to me by bringing them for baptism. It's in that way they receive great blessings. Jesus commands us to bring our children for baptism, and we want to do that. We want to bring our children for baptism. Question and answer 73 says, Why then doth the Holy Ghost call baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins? And then in the answer, it points to the truth that baptism is used by God to assure us of salvation. It says, God speaks thus not without great cause, to wit, not only thereby to teach us that as the filth of the body is purged away by water, so our sins are removed by the blood and spirit of Jesus Christ but especially that by this divine pledge and sign, he may assure us that we are spiritually cleansed from our sins as really as we are externally washed with water. So what a wonderful thing baptism is for our children. God uses it to assure them of their salvation. 
the washing away of their guilt, washing away of pollution. It's a great gift for them. It's also a great gift for us who get to see it performed. We see baptism. We're reminded of our own and we think, I was baptized. And just as really as water was put on my head, so really is my guilt washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so really is my pollution being washed away by the work of Christ within me. Parents, baptize your children knowing that it is a wonderful gift of God. Second, in regard to our calling, parents must instruct their children. Parents must instruct their children. In Mark 10, Jesus calls parents to bring their children to Him. And we've already seen part of the way that we do that is bringing them for baptism. But we also bring our children to Christ by instructing them about Him. By teaching them about Him. We must do that as parents. Teach them about Christ. You must teach your children about sin. Their need for Christ. And what Christ has done on the cross. You must teach them to believe in Jesus Christ for all their salvation. Now how? How must we teach them these things? Well, teach them already when they're very young by reading Bible stories to them, telling them stories that, that point us to Christ. Teach them in family devotions about Christ. Make time to do that. And when they do the wrong thing, children do the wrong thing, that's an opportunity to teach them about Christ. You show them the horrors of sin, that what they did is wrong. We don't wink at sin. We point out sin and we teach them to look to Christ, the only Savior. We teach them about Christ by sending them to our Christian schools and by bringing them to church where they hear about Christ Sunday after Sunday. That's bringing our little children to Christ today. And it's in that way of instruction that our children experience His blessings of salvation. Through faithful instruction, our children are brought to believe in Jesus for all of their salvation. And through that faithful instruction, Christ bestows upon them the great blessings and benefits of salvation. He brings them to know that they have forgiveness in Christ's blood. He works in them through that faithful instruction to go and live a holy life in gratitude for that salvation. Now we need to take note of the importance of instruction of our children because it is not easy to do. It's very hard. All parents here know that. It's hard. There are many things that can keep us from teaching our children as we ought. There are many hobbies that we have. Sports games we like to go to. Hunting, fishing, work, many other things. And soon, the importance of instructing our children about Christ can fall by the wayside or be hardly done. Teach your children. Bring your little children to Christ today, tomorrow, this week. Teach them. And, and young people, 
may it be emphasized to you today the importance of marrying in the Lord. Jesus talks about marriage in Mark 10, 1 through 12, passage we read. When you understand the responsibility of you teaching your children the fear of the Lord, teaching them about Christ, you see the importance of marrying in the Lord. Imagine, young people, how hard it is to teach your children about Christ, to bring your children to Christ when or if your spouse doesn't really care about sin and doesn't really care about Christ. So young people marry in the Lord. Jesus calls parents to instruct children, bring them to Christ by instructing children, while also the church has a duty in this. The church is to be involved in this instruction too. Remember that Jesus told the disciples not to forbid the little children to come to him. Those disciples were representatives of the church. So when Jesus was telling the disciples not to forbid the children to come to him, he was telling the church, don't forbid them to come to me. Well, instead of the church keeping children from coming to Jesus, the church is to help bring children to Jesus. Elders, you're teaching catechism right now. Help bring children to Jesus. Bring children to Jesus there in that catechism classroom. May each of us, though, including the older siblings here of some of the younger children, may you help bring the little children to Jesus. May the single members here help bring children to Jesus. Part of the way you do that is by coming here, by being engaged in the worship service, being an example to them. Also, we can all support our Christian school so that children might receive godly instruction about Christ. By supporting that school, being present at the events, by giving, we're helping bring little children to Jesus Christ. So do that. May our children learn to praise the Savior, the one who washes away our sins. He's certainly worthy of that praise. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, Lord, we are thankful for the word. We are thankful for the truth of infant baptism. For it shows to us the truth of the covenant. Beautiful truth of the covenant. It shows to us, Lord, that thou art a very gracious God who includes even our young children in the kingdom. Lord, may we now bring our children to baptism. May we be those who are teaching our children, and in that way bringing them to Christ. Lord, strengthen us through the word we have heard now. We pray all these things to thee. In Jesus' name, amen.